Sons Unleashed. G'day ladies and gents, Robbie's my name, welcome to another cracking episode, yes this will be a cracking episode of Axons Unleashed, I've got my main man here with me, Lukey Millwood, and uh, mate we've got a really special guest on today. I, do. I did some pre-reading before as we, you know, we always try and do to get an understanding of who it is that we're going to go on the journey with today, and I tell you what, this is one story that has already resonated with me pretty bloody strongly. Yeah, if you are a veteran that's gone through a couple of struggles, if you're a serving member that's thinking about transitioning, because you are going to transition one day, remember it's not if you get out it's when you get out and you'll absolutely be a veteran the stories that luke and i and the sort of the story arc will go on with our really good friend aaron here will uh will blow you away of we've only read about aaron so far we, we are literally meeting him for the first time which i love like there's there can't be any more authentic yeah. than the two minutes we just spent off camera <laughs> <laughs> um is going to be you know a crack in there so let me let me just set, set the scene so Aaron Cornwall, welcome to Axons Unleashed, brother. We're really looking welcome forward back. to you sharing your story. And like I just said, the the guts, quite frankly, and the fortitude that it takes to do what you have done and put on paper and then get to where you are now uh, whilst telling people that things haven't been rosy over the last few years is very admirable. Mm. So, mate, there's a lot to be proud of there. So Aaron Cornwall had a pretty good idea of what rock bottom feels like. The former combat engineer and Afghanistan war veteran thought he'd hit his lowest low when as a young dad juggling university study with work and family commitments, he was forced to sell furniture oh. just to put food on the table. Even years later, he now finds it difficult to talk about. Let me just scroll down for a sec. So let me keep setting the scene. So there's a hard-hitting bloody statement in the first instance. Now the manager of student veteran services and near the completion of a Masters of Clinical Exercise Physiology at ACU, Aaron was also named Veteran Employee of the Year at the Prime Minister's Natural Veterans Employment Awards last year. Aaron Cornwell, welcome to Axons Unleashed, mate. Welcome, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a story. It's quite an intro. Mate, are you like do you feel before we jump into your story, do you feel like you've you've achieved that much? Like it's it's quite a lot, mate, when you sort of hit that snap up front. Does it feel like it's just, you know, come naturally to you or it's something you've had to dig into the whole way? Uh look, to be honest, it's one of those ones like I reflect a lot of the time and yeah, it was a lot and it feels like a lot. Um, you know, defense, that stoic mentality comes back. Yep. You always say, oh, yep, you know, it's a lot, but other people have done more. Uh, but that's what kind of keeps you going. But I also draw back on that and think ultimately that's what put me in the position I was in. Um, you know, I was having a hard time um, and I told myself others were having it harder. So who am I to be complaining mm. about it? Um, but ultimately that's not how it works. Isn't that um, just isn't that just such a common denominator with with defence members? You know, sorry, to, Aaron. Before we jump into your story, just a common denominator where it's like, nah, just fucking bite down, just just keep going, and and it'll be right. We'll get through it. We'll get through it, and it is until it isn't. Yeah, and I even remember. So you got out 2012. I got out 2013. So we've been out similar time frames, as opposed to these guys that just got out like last year. Fresh out. <laughs> still, still surprised. I've got to shave. My, don't have to shave my face every morning. Yeah, you mate. don't have to shave anything anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I was going through a real tough time as well. But that what you just said then is that one of the things that got through me is like people are doing it harder than what I am. So it's not that fucking mm, bad, yeah. actually. So, yeah. Um, look, Aaron, there's so much to unpack with your story, mate. Let's do it in a bit of a sequential manner so we can we can get to personally know more about you and the listeners as well. Where did you grow up, mate? Where, when and why did you decide to, you know, join the military back in the day? Yeah, look, um, so I grew up in Tasmania, um, mm -hmm. Hobart. Uh, I grew up in uh, East Shore, Rosney Park. Um, normal schooling, primary school. <laughs> going to sound really I need, I need to follow this train um primary school high school um you know i went to college the schooling system in tasmania is a bit different so um, there's a lot of things in tasmania that are a bit different mate right. <laughs> i was wondering when that was going to be said <laughs> Look, the fact that we call it the mainland always um, <laughs> it's pretty funny for a lot of people but yeah so you know schools there um, if you go to public school you do go to year 10 and then you go to college for two other years um, and it's very adult learning environment um, went to college, did um, started a trade, uh, so I did a cert three. Uh, sorry, cert one in um, fabrication of metal. Um, then went uh, went out, started working, uh, looking for a job in that field. Yep. 
didn't really come through in the end. Um, took on some casual work. Um, and at that point, um, I had stopped hanging around for some of my friend circles. And I guess at that, that would probably be a big one is when I was in college, you know, a lot of my friends had said to me when I was thinking about joining the army that, well, what, you're going to go listen to the men. <laughs> um, and you know being young it's very easy to be uh, steered away from things particularly of course, yeah. groups not doing those things so you know um, after spending some time away from my friends I ultimately decided to join the defense force um, again it was one of those decisions I made with another friend uh, late one night uh, we were reflecting on our lives and we said hey you know what there's not a lot happening right now um, there's nothing really keeping us here um, and it would be really good to set us up for the future. Defence Force seems like a really good idea. It's something that's been in the back of my mind for some time. Starting tomorrow, let's start training. Let's start doing this. Let's start doing that. And let's join the Defence Force. So the next morning I woke up, uh, went up to the internet, my 56k, oh, actually I knew of 256k dial-up. What year are we talking here, mate, to bring <laughs> us to that? Uh, that would have been 2007. Uh, right, okay. was, yep. But essentially I was going, yep, this is the time to do it. Um, so, yep, jumped on the internet, took a look. What do I need to do? Oh, here's some fitness training plans. Um, and, you know, this is something I don't really go through a lot. But, you know, I was young. Um, I smoked. I drank. Um, I didn't really hold fitness very high on my list of things to do. Um, and so I started a very strict regime of running. Um, I remember for my first couple of runs, I could only run 200 metres until I was puffed. Oof. Yeah, um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like, I was definitely not the epitome of fitness. I'm, I'm, I'm less than that's, that now. Yeah, that's, that's us now, mate. That's the Axon <laughs> team now. Well, with a couple of bung, bung knees and a sore shoulder. Mate, was your, yeah. what was your family dynamic like in terms of your relationship with defence? Like, did you have a strong link with any, you know, sort of historical um, or historical links with defence or the defence force from family members? Yeah, look, it was, it was, a, bit, it was a bit of a weird one. Um, no strict ties to defence. Yep. Um, that I guess when I say strict ties, there were, but it wasn't something that in our family motivated was at the top of the yeah. list. Um, you know, my mum's dad, uh, he had served. Um, okay. He passed when she was very young uh, in a uh, an accident. Drink driver had collided with his vehicle. <sighs> he was going through an intersection, um, and so not uh, you know all of her brothers and siblings were. No one had a really good understanding of who he was and what he did when he was in. Um, so I knew that that was there. Um, I had some cousins who were in the Air Force. Um, but outside of that, this was, you know, I was essentially in my mind. Flying solo. Mm. Yeah. Joining the Army, um, did my training, went in. Um, and essentially, I said to myself, I'm a blank slate. Uh, tell me what to do. Uh, I guess I was there. Uh, that's the army's wet dream. That, you know? Yeah, yeah, the perfect avatar, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it like getting your head shaved and going to Kapuka and then, you know, being surrounded by, you know, Seco's yelling at you and, you know, doing things on a very strict time frame under really, you know, a huge amounts of time pressure and stuff? Look, I was lapping it up, to be honest. Good I on you. Absolutely lapping it up. Yeah, it was, like I said, I'd spent the, the six months leading up to this um, just training this is the be all and end all yep. this is all i'm going to do and this is going to um, tell me what i need to do with my life um, and tell me how i guess to adult and set me up for the future um, and ultimately i did you know going in uh, i didn't need to be broken down because i i went in there and said hey man, here i am tell me what it is that you need yeah um, and, and we'll do it um was Aaron? Was there a moment, mate, where where and and whether it's through through training, through your recruit training, or, or after? Was there a moment where you were kind of like, "Holy shit, this is for real!" Like, not not necessarily in an intimidating way, but in, in a sense of, "Righto, I'm you know my hair's starting to grow back a little bit. Um, you know my shoulders are starting to fill out a little bit. This is real, and I'm I'm now in the ADF." Honestly, I think that was every day. It was it was it was very surreal. I I, I loved the idea. Um, <laughs> I loved every part of it. Uh, yep. I think like everybody, I, I reflect back on uh, Kapuka, you know, with the Kapuka worries. And it was <laughs> essentially, well, not, a, not a big joke, you know, it was hard. Yep. It was tough. Uh, but it was, on reflection, very fun. Yep. Um, you know, the, the way that uh, you know, retraining 
at the time was horrible. I didn't understand why you would stand in a hallway as a grown adult um, for an hour. <laughs> and get, get yelled at. Dressed, dressed, undressed, <laughs> dressed. Why am I going to bed at 1 p.m. in the afternoon for 30 minutes? It just doesn't make sense. Um, but It's not about that. Yeah, it's not about that, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I, Aaron, I can't relate to that, buddy. I was a shiny bum staff officer, mate, so I went straight into ADFA. So I, I have a little bit of exposure to that, but Robbie can certainly re- relate far more to that uh, on both sides of the fence, right, from Kapuka. Mm. Yeah, having gone through there as a recruit and back as a, as a recruit instructor in, in 99. Um, I think they had the harshest winter ever in 2007. <laughs> Fuck Luke, off, Luke, Luke told the story. He goes, oh, I did my basic training in 2004. It was the coldest winter Cold. Canberra's ever had. Nearly. And now you're like, oh, it was bloody hard back it then. It probably killed four recruits, mate. They just hid the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so so mate, you end up going to engineers. How did that come? Did you go in as core allocated or did you have to choose your core still back then? Because I know that process has changed a little bit. Yeah, look, um, I'm, I chose my core. Um, I liked the, I don't, I, I can't say I like the look and feel. Uh, I like the sound of combat engineers. Um, you know, I had a, I liked building things. I liked doing things with my hands. Um, combat engineer, look, <laughs> it's a misleading name. Um, it sounds great. Now I tell people I was a combat engineer, like, man, wow, you must be so smart. And I'm not saying that <laughs> not smart, but I don't think they're thinking of the same type of engineering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you've yeah. got a combat engineer, a mechanical engineer, an aeronautical engineer. Yeah. There are different levels of engineering, engineering. Yes. yes. You've got a property coach. We engineer stuff for people, <laughs> and I'm not very smart either. <laughs> but, you know, like, that's the thing. In my mind, it was, yeah, combat engineer, um, fiery, um, and I, to be honest, I can't remember what my third option was uh, because I was so dead set on my first. Yeah. Combat engineer, I had memorized, don't ask me now, but I had memorized, you know, what is the role of a combat engineer. Awesome. Yeah. Had my cue cards. So I was good to go. Single focus, mate. Yeah. Boom. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. I, was, I wouldn't go back as anything else. So where to take you to first, mate? So you jumped out of Kapuka. You did your march out parade. Your parents came up. Watch you throw. You know, march off the parade ground. Then where to from there? SME at Holsworthy or Moorbank. Yep. Moorbank. Yep. Yeah. So um, went down to Moorbank end of two thousand and eight. Um, so yeah, went down to Moorbank end of two thousand eight. Um, Essentially, there was one more rotation through, so one more course going through before the end of the year. Um, so we were in holding troops. Um, we weren't on that course, so we needed to wait until the beginning of the following year, so beginning of 2009 for our course to start. Um, so that was a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, that was a massive learning experience and a real test of patience. Um, mm. You know, to essentially join the Defence Force, ready to go, finish IITs, uh, sorry, finish basic training, grass is greener on the other side finally get to the grass and then realize that why you're standing uh, on the bear patch yeah, I'm, I'm essentially I'm in, I'm in petrol limbo um, and i remember getting there and rssm um saying to us all right well yeah as i said as ssms do you know hey guys um first up uh you're restricted the base um because of an incident that happened before you got here uh, also, you're on the dry because of an incident happened before you got here. Motherfuckers. <laughs> awesome. Uh, until further notice. Um, but the only thing I can tell you right now is don't get caught. You are not to leave the base. You are not to drink. But don't get caught. Um, and, you know, essentially I'm having this existential crisis. What's he saying? <laughs> is, he, is he telling I me it, I, I can? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to do anything. But don't get caught. Yeah. Sounds like you kind of want me to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is this a trap? Yeah, yeah. There's no oh, one yeah, watered yeah. this grass for a while. It's fucking burnt. <laughs> oh, that's shit house. Was that the biggest challenge? You, uh, you know, was that a one of the most significant challenges that you had when you went through through your training and stuff? Like, was it just the fact that you were ready to go and wanted to do what you were being employed to do, and you kind of had to wait, or were there some other things that added to that? Um, look, to be honest, I like I found that that was frustrating, uh, and at the time, yeah, but it wasn't a deal breaker. It was just frustrating. Yeah. Uh, to be there, to be waiting. To want to get on to the next step in my life, you know, get my posting, start doing, I guess, the army stuff or the, the stuff that you signed up to do. Yep. Um, but like it's almost a rite of passage. You know, I wouldn't have really learned about um, stabbings, and I wouldn't stabbings. You guys know it, uh, <laughs> everyone. You know, I wouldn't have learned about stabbings. I wouldn't have learned about uh, unicorn courses. Yeah. Wouldn't have understood why I don't put my hand up when someone says you want to do a motorcycle course. <laughs> Uh, you only made that mistake once. Who's got a motorcycle license? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like without holding troop, I probably wouldn't have 
been introduced to that system, um, and I say this a lot to the students now, um, we're universities, and I know we'll get to this, but you know, compared to defense, university is not a place to be a gray man. Uh, essentially, defense, looking back at that point in time, uh, defense has a, tendency, has a tendency to condition you yeah. to be the gray man. Of course. To not put your hand up, to blend in, uh, to not be an individual. Uniformity. Uh, uniformity. Um, and so essentially, you know, from the get-go, being IETs, we were in uh, holding for we were there for six months, essentially, um, just getting reinforced this idea that who wants to do this? Yeah. No, no one's going to put their hand no up. No fucking you, way. You, and you. Who wants to do this? You, you, and you. Um, you know, all right, guys, motorcycle course. Five new guys put their hands up. <laughs> Everyone else does it. And they're just, they haven't clicked on to why. Oh, these guys must already have their claws. Fuck, <laughs> 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 they must be good on motorbikes. <laughs> How long until you went on your first deployment? Because we can talk about fucking IT warriors yeah, all day, yeah, but that's yeah. not, not why we're here. <laughs> but, but it's very insightful, though. I do love it. So, um, yeah, how many de- deployments did you do? Uh, so, look, I got to Townsville um, 2009. Uh, I know these don't count. These aren't technically deployments. You know, we went to P&G just on... Um, uh, one top warrior, so that's yep. pretty cool. Um, yeah, a couple of exercises, and then 2011 uh, was selected for uh, MTF3. So going over as a high researcher, um, we did our Certex. Oh, sorry, we did our free deployment training, did our Certex, um, did the free deployment. Okay, I can't actually remember what that's called, but you know, we did our pre-deployment test with. Certification, yeah. Yep. Certification, and then we went over. Um, yeah. I was over there at the same time, mate. I was over there at this, oh, right. in the SOTG compound. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, I was right. the observer then, so yeah, 2011. There's a busy period over there. Um, I've seen some photos online there about you doing some crazy stuff. So yeah, tell us about some of the uh, – some of the. You give us a couple of warries then, an actual warry, not a bloody <laughs> not a IET warry. <laughs> what, what, was, what was the highest point of your deployment over there and then probably what were some of the challenges that you needed, needed to endure? Um, look, so you, I guess I was pretty fortunate. Uh, I, I'll say that straight up. I was pretty fortunate in, my, uh, in the trip. Um, you know, we were based out of TK, so, you know, it was... I'll say it, it was relatively cushy in that sense, you know. Yep. Um, you know, the threat's present, um, but we were doing day-to-day tasks. So we would go out essentially every day, um, drive out to different AOs, um, do different things. Um, but our job was essentially to take other government agencies around the AOs. Um, the, uh, the nickname at one point was, this was inherited, uh, you know, Blacktop Warriors. Essentially, the roads had been uh, made mostly bitumen, which meant it was relatively safe to get around anywhere immediately close to TK. But as you went further out, um, I, guess, I guess the trip itself was awesome. Uh, it was set up to be, I can't say underwhelming, because a lot happened. To, you know, we were based on my experience and what we were was happening to us, not the entire. Uh, the, the trip overall, um, you know, a big highlight was there was a complex attack in TK. Um, so I think we'd been there for maybe one or two months. Um, I remember going out on our first outside the wire experience with the handover. You know, we're driving around TK, which at that point in time was very safe. And I was essentially thinking that every bump we were going to get blown up. Um, and the guy who was, who was doing the handover was sitting there and he was just casual, not stressed. Not worried about anything, uh, but that didn't reassure me at all because unfamiliar ground. Yep. Yeah. Six weeks later, uh, sitting down at the uh, airfield, and I'm sitting on the rear gun. It was a base tasking, so we were actually just going to be picking up some American officials, taking them around the base. Um, we weren't going off. It's just a Sunday by memory. Um, you know, it was a R and R day uh, or low tempo day, and could hear this chatter coming through the radio because uh, we were working with the Americans and just it just sounded crazy. I just kept thinking, wow, this is wild. I cannot understand what is happening. This must be something like Don't that. they know it's our day off? <laughs> <laughs> well, Fucking hell. Even Jesus we, rests on a Sunday. 
we, we, we were just we were just getting yeah it was just essentially it was just coming through and it's kept oh, this is so weird man this is this is like what they're saying sounds like what i'd imagine they'd be saying help or something like that you know it was just intense yeah like yelling up you know i think at one point someone even said it's a house born ied um and i was like what's going on and then i look over uh to my right and um there's this big mushroom cloud um and i'm like Oh, I remember popping down my head into the vehicle and saying to my seco, hey, mate, um, are there any controlled dims? I oh, can't hear anything of stuff that comes. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm watching this Apache flying down, flying around, flying down. And after watching it for some time, I realized, oh, this is one of these people talking is actually the Apache. I'm like, right. Yeah, yeah. getting pretty stuck pretty in. Uh, then there's another mushroom cloud. I'm like, mate, as soon as I poke my head in, Go, 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 go. We became the QRF. Yep. Um, so, yes, it was a complex attack. Um, there were several uh, uh, vehicle-borne IEDs. Uh, one detonated at the governor's compound. Uh, one detonated at the radio station. Uh, it blew through the walls. And then several suicide um, bombers ran in. So, they gave it a good held, slap. Yeah. They ran in, held up in the building, um, and essentially waited for the first responders to come or the coalition forces to come in. Um, and then they were decimating as they were coming in. So we went out as a QRF. It was just, you know, like, it was interesting, it was exciting. Trading the threat, yeah. At the same time, um, you know, we are a safe force um, compared to, you know, I was watching and I could see firsthand, you know, American tactics versus um, Australian tactics and how we are force preservation. Uh, you know, we would stop, find out where the contact was coming yep. from, move forward slowly. Um, you know, where essentially they were running in as a, a file, single file through this hole in the wall. Bias um, fraction. Yeah. So, you know, it was, just, <laughs> it, was, it was very different. It was very, um, it was interesting. It set this kind of tone. This is what the trip is going to be. It's reality. Like. You know, yeah, this, yeah. This is the beginning of the trip and this is what it's going to be like. And very few things compared to that from that point on. Uh, and, you know, we were relatively safe throughout that time because we did have protective devices we had all the things which were keeping us safe um, there were a couple of IEDs vehicle born IEDs that were placed on that route in uh, but essentially we were kept safe by devices on the vehicles devices that we carry um, so that was great did you find mate as you went sort of as the the time progressed through your trip did you find that you were you were closer to old mate in terms of your levels of comfort or did that kind of throw you off a little bit from the start where you're like, okay, fuck, this can happen at any point in time? Like, where, where'd you sit? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't really, I couldn't really piece together exactly how, how, how I felt about that. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, this is it. This is, I guess this is what you kind of imagine. It's what happens we're in, not, a, in a war, in a war yeah, zone. We're not at Moorbank anymore, Toto. Un yeah. <laughs> Unpredictability. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the fog of war. The, the complete, like, over time, you know, from that point on. Um, you know, I look back at pictures of us only a week before in the governor's compound. Yeah. You know, it was considered to be a, a safe place. Yeah. yeah you know, yep. They had the AMP um, on the walls. So, you know, they were essentially the first line of defense. Um, you know, we would go in, we would have a um, walking patrol have a couple of pickets around for different things uh, or different areas. Um, but essentially it was considered to be a pretty safe space. Um, it happened on that day. The governor was not home, so that was a tick. Um, we weren't there. Um, and so, you know, for all of the effort they put into the strategy of this complex attack, there were a couple of major shortfalls that there was no one really there. Um, so it was a lot of hype. We not enough outcome not much outcome mm, yeah. crazy times um what were some of the highlights that you had on on the trip though like what did well, you yeah look i'd say that that was that was that was a highlight um, yeah that, yeah it was a highlight significant experience uh, yeah it was great to go out work as a team um overall it was it was just a really cool experience to get to see what you watch on television um you know, I remember when I was joining, people would say, yeah, but what if you, what if you have to go overseas? Yeah, I'm kind of banking on that. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of one of the reasons I'm, I'm joining. I'm not joining under this pretense that I'm not going to get to go over. Mm. I'm joining under the pretense that I expect to go over. And then that would essentially close the loop on 
I've done what I have trained to do. Yeah, I, it's um, a very it's it's a very difficult thing for um, for civilians without context to be able to understand it, and it's not you know it's certainly not uh, warmongering. It's certainly not you know, in fact, most of the people that I know in the defence force, they you know, they sort of. Uh, not against war, but they're kind of very cautiously, you know, careful about leading into war. But when we're in a place where it's about defence of your nation and it's about sort of, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, going over and serving your country, it's what it's what most people want to do in the defence force. Again, not out of being gun ho and not out of being sort of, you know, we want to go over there and do, you know, nasty stuff. It's all about, you know, this is what I've trained for. And what I used to try and relate it to is, you know, to, to my civilian friends is imagine being a teacher and imagine going to university and then going and getting a master's degree to be the best, you know, economics teacher, you know, that you can be and then never stepping foot into a classroom. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that, look, ultimately that's um, that's exactly it. I didn't want to go over there to, you know, get some. I didn't want to yeah, of course. <laughs> there was no kind of Bravado. expectation that yeah. anything would happen. It was just to do that. And then, you know, to contextualise that, I'm not going to get into that political side, but, you know, watching things like the Ukraine-Russia conflict, yeah. watching any type of ongoing conflict at the moment, um, you know, for me, I really see that as, it's not the political standpoints and things, it's the lives involved. And of course, a lot of the people on either sides are essentially just doing their jobs. Yeah, um, but, but that's watch. the sad thing about conflict, mate. Is is it's it is a politician's decision, and we're we're apolitical here at Axon. We don't sit on any side of the fence in regards to anything. Um, yeah, anything political that is just being a GC. Just be you. Just yeah, we just try and take care of people. But it, it's it's the it is always the case, mate. It's the decisions of politicians that have made at the at the senior levels that the you know the people on the ground have the role, role responsibility to go out and execute against those decisions, mm. and, and then that's what we sign up for. Mm. Yeah. Signed up for, not anymore. What about Aaron? Was there any low points over there? Was there any anything that happened that you could turn back time and go? I wish that didn't occur. Um. Look. Yeah, if you could turn back time, it would be, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't in our, uh, wasn't in our section, it wasn't in our platoons, but, you know, it was in that battle group, you know, the, the Bullet of Green and Blues. Yep. Um, you know, it was not, that, obviously, that, they would be the, the, the spaces I would go back mm. and I would change. Um, but I know that I can't, and I know that no one can. Um, so I guess... You know, radically accepting that and kind of learning well for me i can't really learn from that but i can take a lot out of it that's the value of life uh, mm. i guess the way that that can just take away um i would say the lowest points you know things i learned over there were the value of human life uh, that was something i struggled with afterwards was how you know, a lot of the time you say you cannot put a value on Life. Yes, there's endurance, there's this um, but you know, there were incidents of uh, things happening to um, animals, civilians, um, and essentially, if you quantify to a dollar amount how much that human's life was worth um, in reparations to the family. Yep. And that's a hard thing to sit with because if that was any other country, those reparations would be nothing. Um, mm. I mean, it would be in itself, but ultimately, that's how it works there, and you know, that's what you just have to work with isn't it isn't it um isn't it not funny funny certainly not the right turn of phrase isn't it unusual and unusual insightful at the sliding scale of human life throughout different areas in the world um did you like you've mentioned it but was it something that really slapped you in the face mate when you got there that, that it was you know the the value that we put on in the western world the value we put on human life was remarkably different in that space that's something that became immediately apparent to you or did it take some time well i'd say it took some time um you know, you watch a movie it's very disconnected you know, mm. you watch a movie of a third world country watch uh, movies of third world countries and they're not in conflict and they're just um yeah uh yeah famine uh and you can see that the value of life in this country is just significantly lower than what you would see in the west as well yeah um, we're in the Western world watching these ads. Yeah, absolutely. It all happen, and we're going. Well, it's not us, so it, it's it, not as bad as it could be. 
It's certainly nah. something I can relate to in you know in Timor. Um, but I, I spent five years over in Timor, mate, and just that was something that was starkly different to me that I had to sort of not grapple with because it wasn't something that was slapping me in, fa- in the face. It wasn't a war zone. But, you know, when we saw things like COVID and the like coming down the pipe and, you know, where we thought it was going to be, you know, Ebola and, and you know, it was going to wipe out half of the world's population um, – you know, we were seeing a lot of the senior Timorese officials kind of not fobbing it off, but going, mate, we're worried about fucking malaria. We're worried about starvation. We're worried about all this other stuff. Don't worry about your fucking COVID. But as, as we were rolling through on a day-to-day basis, we would see, you know, little things like a, you know, a car accident in the road where somebody would be killed and people would just be filming it and throwing it up on Facebook like it was, you know, no big deal. You know, people being eaten by crocodiles, throwing it up on Facebook like it was no big deal. There was just a... There was a disparity between the the value that they put on human life and the way that they approach that, and I put that down to you know a, a twenty five years of being occupied in a conflict where human life became you know the the, the the care for human life became a flippant consideration you know on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah. there's a sliding scale everywhere though. It is, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So what was it like when you first got home? Yeah. And how were you able to like reintegrate back into um, your life, back into your family, back into your partner, whatever that looked like? Yeah, so look, I think uh, coming back, um, we you know, we didn't know the return date when we got there. Essentially, it was just that wait out until you find out. Um, we did uh, to Europe for my 10-day uh, leave. Yeah, good. Uh, essentially got back, and I think one week after that, we got told that we would be coming back to Australia January, seems like January 26th or 23rd or something like that. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Wow, that was cool. Um, I've just come back from my leave and you know two and a half months from now i'll be back in australia mm. start so the little countdown of, clock the little deployment yeah. countdown clock that you've got mate yeah yeah <laughs> and that was like it did put this surreal moment into my head of okay like this um, has an end date yeah and you know i've been safe till this point now i just need to stay safe until till the end um so ultimately i was counting down i was preparing i was setting up what my life would be like once i get back how this is this experience shape who I am um, and define who I am and now I have insight that essentially most of the world aren't going to be able to have um, came back we had a decompression yep. um, so three day decompression and then we could go on to our leave um, and look that was probably the first little uh, I don't know red flags moment maybe not red flags red flags probably not the right word it's more just kind of me going oh, I, I don't like this um, there was a bit of a you got to do your psych your two psych assessments uh, to clear yourself. You know, people had grievances that they wanted to kind of air uh, before they went away onto their holidays. And um, there were a couple of instances of people expressing how they felt uh, and kind of being pushed back a bit, um, which would then ultimately encourage them to lash out a bit more because that's not something that sat with them well either. Um, so Aaron was... Was it was it this? What you, you referred to it as this was the thing that you didn't like. This being the bureaucratic process that you had to jump through, like the the, or was it the actual physical going through that process? So was it the concept that you had to do it, or was it doing it itself? No, I think to be honest, doing it itself. I yeah, think is a requirement, hands down. Like yep. that makes complete sense. Coming back from a very um, different area, like we went to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, uh, and I. About half a day we went out to the shopping centre and a balloon popped in the shopping food court and we were halfway under the table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not normal. That was, yeah, yeah, you know, like that, that was just because, you know, we were, you know, it's not like that was happening routinely. Like, you know, we had the indirect fire coming in. Yeah. It was more just that was the immediate action drill. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, get undercover. Yeah, do this, get get low. Um, so, you know, getting back to that decompression makes complete sense. More just the responses to some of those. Got it. You know, Got people coming back, high stress, uh, high strung, pretty concentrated opinions. You know, ultimately, uh, as a result of expressing those, being put into observation for an additional week or two weeks, uh, yep. and losing their leave. Um, that that yeah, right, okay. Being put into the base, you know, and it kind of created a it created this culture of our culture created a a behaviour of not expressing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the big neck spreads pretty quick. It's don't do this. Yeah, don't punch your CEO in the face and don't do that through your pops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, if, you want to, if you want to go and leave, you know, just say what needs to be said. Yeah. Come back at another point um, and pick these things up when it's when, you, when you've had your holiday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just those were the types of things. That, that, that I don't like. I didn't like that. It didn't sit well because ultimately you, 
you want to be able to express yourself without negative. Sure. Uh, or even a perceived negative consequence of, you know, of, of that, that discussion. Having a healthy AAR process is not easy. Yeah, it's fucking tough. Because people, the 360 feedback loop that needs to occur from a sustained fix and improve perspective does mean that there's going to be some comments made about you more than likely that you could have improved. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in a sense of heightened sort of awareness, uh, um, excitement there, that's not easy to, to take. That's what yeah. I mean, just having a healthy AAR mindset. And if you haven't done an AAR process before, doing it when you first get back from a war zone for the first time is going to be even more difficult. So yes. it's almost like the AAR process and the, the professionalism of the AAR um, needs to be put in place before you even get there. Yeah. Like when you're doing your mission rehearsal exercise, right, let's AAR the shit out of ourselves. Yeah. Because guess what? We're going to do this when we get back. And yeah. this is all hindsight stuff, of course, but it, you're absolutely right. It's, it's very, very difficult to do. But we do ARs here all the time. Every I quarter, get, every you get it every day. Robbie from me. provides me feedback every <laughs> single day, mate, without fail. I promise you. <laughs> and a lot of it's fucking good, but some of it, I'm like, hey, bro, I reckon we can do better here. No, I reckon you can do better. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> mate. Talk to us now. So you started to settle back in. Oh shit! I just kicked the camera. You started to settle back in, mate. Um, what did that look like for you? So you've done that. You kind of tucked that to bed. What did that look like for you, mate? Um, yep. Yeah, look, so I was. Yes, come back. Um, just trying to articulate this as quickest and most effective way possible because I do do this. Essentially, we came back and I was so sure about who I was, where I wanted to be, where I was going to go, how I was going to get there. Um, That's good. I wanted a black Jeep Wrangler. That was my visualization. I'm going to get this and this is how I know I've succeeded. Um, you know, I wanted to um, have strong principles, morals, ethics. Um, I wanted to essentially have a rule book that guided me on what I should and shouldn't do. Um, so essentially, I had it had just reinforced. This is something I can look at in hindsight, but it's black and white thinking. I would I had really just gone, wow, I can definitively say that things are black and white. With my rule book, I would be able to get through life. I've nailed it exactly. Yeah, this is good. This is not good. In this situation, this is how I respond consistently. In this situation, this is how I respond consistently. Because life's really simple when you're I away. Was, <laughs> I was about to say. But as we know, life is not simple back here. Yeah. yeah. How long did that last? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. And look, so I guess ultimately this is what had led to a part of my demise. But ultimately, you know, I got back and I had this idea. And, um, you know, I knew what I wanted to do, which I, I wanted to be a PTI or I wanted to be a personal trainer. Um, how how good are your calves, mate? That's a, that's a uh, qualification to... They've been better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I knew that I liked health and fitness and I knew that's where I wanted to go in the long term. If I was going to stay at the army, I wanted to be a PTI. Yep. I could see that. Um, I needed things to get to that point. Um, and as soon as I got a sense of a, um, I got the, as soon as I got a sense that the carrot was being dangled, it kind of was, uh, you know, this is not great. I don't really like this because I have worked this point and so ultimately had this side plan which was i will do it externally as well become a pt yep ultimately i became a pt um there was me leaving the defense force um I, I won't go into the details everyone's got their their, their whole rationale behind but i'll just put it down to um i was young i was proud um and I would say that in that situation, there was probably just essentially it was just yeah. Okay. I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to don't want to go into the specifics because there's nothing wrong with that's it. That's right. It's just I don't really want to drag anyone else through anything. That's right, mate. Just, yeah. I can tell you still keep yourself in pretty good nick, mate. There's some PSI in the buttons across your chest there. I'm just trying to dissect just so we're clear. Do we? Did you try to go to PDI stream, but that wasn't successful? So you're like, "Fucking, I'm getting out, and I'll do. I'll be my own PT." Yeah, just, ultimately, it was. It, okay. it, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't even uh, down to that. It was. Uh, look, we're just we're just nipping the butt. Uh, essentially, I had a, recommend, uh, a recommendation from ROC that this is how this should pan out. Um, but then I was asked to give my word um, that I would stay in the defence force if I were to get this course. I was very proud at that point in time, driven by principles and morals, and I'd ultimately said, well, I don't, with all due respect, sir, uh, 
I don't believe I need to give my word if I have earned this merit. Um, and you know, that was just a simple conversation where I was too young and too proud. Um, but then also, you know, you've got a young officer who is also young uh, and proud. Young and proud. And yeah. He's doing what he's been told to do. He's just yeah. come out of RMC. He's essentially saying, well, you know, I need to be a leader and I need my soldiers to X. Yep. No, 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 no. I fucking taught leadership down at Duntroon, <laughs> and the last thing I do not fucking remember it. there being a tick box on a on a on someone's PAR that says you now give your word to do shit. Nah. that's the dumbest fucking thing yeah. I've ever heard in my life, yeah. quite frankly. And if old mate fucking your boss is listening to that. I hope he's now reflecting. He or yeah. she's now reflecting on. Yeah, I shouldn't have fucking asked this guy to give his word. Oh. This is not the fucking church. Yeah, and like I said, I don't. Unless the fucking leadership manual's changed, I, this I, doesn't exist. I was a young officer, mate, and I was a young proud officer. I, I can assure you, I probably trained made, by the best. Oh, but I, even <laughs> he was my he was my leadership instructor at Duntroom. Mate. So <laughs> I, I can assure you, mate, I, I probably made those some of those dumb decisions uh, or had some expectations that were outside of of what it should have been not realising the consequence that, that I could perhaps have on somebody's life just by making a poor decision. Now, obviously, I tried to minimise that by not being a fucking idiot. Um, and I'm not saying this guy is, but but it's just it's really profound of how much of an impact you can have on somebody's life just by making a decision that perhaps isn't a requirement, placing your own requirements over the top of something. So, or if you're a young officer listening right now and you've got it in your repertoire to go to one of your bloody subordinates who wants to do something to improve their life. Encourage don't, them. Don't ask them to fucking yeah. give you your word. But don't be a cock. Encourage them and do everything <laughs> you can to make sure that they, you are supporting yeah. them. Why don't you treat them nicely way. and support them and show them that you care and then they'll stay. How about yeah. that for a fucking concept? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> look, I think ultimately that was the, the, the big takeaway on reflection. I can I'm so glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> Keep going, Aaron. No, no, it's good. No, it's, it is good to... Because there'll be someone listening out there going, yeah, he's absolutely right. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Look, you're living proof of it, mate. Because how's the thing? If you had been able to successfully transition to PDIs, the likelihood of you perhaps still being in is uh, is there, right? Yeah, look, you, you, you could ask any of the dudes I served with and they would have said, oh, Aaron, he's a lifer. <laughs> right. Like, that was the thing. And, and you know, it was like the, the, the canary, uh, the bird, the mind, person of mind, like, yeah. oh, Aaron's out. What, what? Yeah, what the fuck yeah. happened there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody got back from overseas. There was a mass exodus. But that happens. Yeah, um, sure. But ultimately, I can look back in hindsight and I can go, well, look, the only people that lost in this situation were me and the defense force. Um, you know, the young officer, or he, that was just one of a handful of people that left. So it would have been a reprimand. Um, you know, I did get nope. the CEO before I marched out. And all I could flag is that this could have gone another way, but ultimately that's just another part of an AAR process. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, to me, I lost a career. Uh, could have been a life lifer. But then also... Uh, you gained a lot asset. too, mate. Yeah. You but gained I, a lot. Yeah. yeah. I read in your bio that you're actually really happy in hindsight, as am I. Oh, yeah. I had a yeah. very sudden and tumultuous exit as well. Mm. Best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Let's talk about that now, mate. Let's jump into your transition. What was it? Um, what was the lead up to that like quickly? And then how did you feel on your last day? Was it like, fuck, I am no longer in the Defence Force. I am now a veteran, not a civilian, not a civilian. I am now a veteran, you know, from my service. How, how did that make you feel? Yes. So, uh, yep. So essentially had the conversation. I left the office, wrote my discharge for the nomination state for the prerequisite course. Uh, so, yep, noms day came out, had it predated for that date, not the course, because I said, with all respect, I'll only go... Go fuck yourself. I get it by merit. Yep. <laughs> so, handed that in and started the process. You know, it's a six-month process. I had my PTI qualification. Uh, sorry, PT qualification. Um, I was made an offer for a job, so I started the process of actually transitioning, uh, and I tried to make that um, as least painful as possible of course um, now essentially it was painful to some extent because you know i've been town i relocated brisbane mm. break lease uh, finding a house down here that i can't inspect um there was a whole heap of things yep. which were just making it difficult i had a partner at the time uh, you know there were all these different bits and pieces which i was trying to put together the big one was once everything came together so i got off the job uh, so i could expedite the process i was out three months now, I will say that um, that's probably one of those red flag moments. You know, just come back from deployment, um, 
made a decision and they've expedited my separation from defence, you know, up out essentially within five months of returning from Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, that's a... So, you know, fuck. Yeah, yeah. So that's it was, quick, it was a pretty, pretty big one. Um, so I got out. I remember going onto base on my last day. So I wasn't working. I went in to drop something off um, or to get some pictures or something. Said, see you to the boys, you know, they all came out. Oh, you see you, mate, but, you know, it's just another person leaving the unit. Yep. So they all say goodbye, drive off the base. That's it. And that was, yeah, well, that's probably the thing I say to everyone. I did not realize that when I drove off that base that day and looked in the rearview mirror, yep. and realized quite quickly that, wow, that wasn't this spectacular thing that I was imagining it would be with, like, fireworks and hoses and things. It was really just, I'm just a guy driving off the base. I didn't go back for 10 years. Um, yep. I didn't go back to town for 10 years. I didn't go back to the base for 10 years. Guess oh, what? So There's someone that's driving off a base today. Yep. Doing exactly this. Exactly I fucking guarantee thing. you that. Yeah, absolutely. And you still remember it happening to you? I sure as shit remember it happening to me as well. Yeah, man. It's a really crazy part of one's life. So, you know, what's the lesson learned out of here? Um, you need to be- don't expect big things when you leave. Sure, try and get a bit of a send off, a bit of a farewell. You know, if you're in the sergeant's mess, the officer's mess, you should leave with some sort of plaque or something. Um, and someone stands up and says a couple of nice words about you if you're lucky. But yeah. I think it's, the machine goes on. Exactly. I think unapolog- unapologetically, the, the way in which the Defence Force is structured is, is that it needs to go on, right? You think about it in the worst case scenario, you know, people people fall over, they take a dirt nap overseas, the, the organisation needs an ability to be able to, to, to push through that. And un- unfortunately, that you know, that kind of behaviour is inherent in peacetime, you know, peacetime play that we do over here as well, where if somebody steps out, there needs an ability to step in. That doesn't fucking mean that you shouldn't give people the send-off they deserve, you shouldn't support them through their transition and you shouldn't allow them the best opportunity to, you know, flourish on the other side, whatever that looks like for the individual. And and I was very fortunate to be able to receive that from my, my CO. Yeah, the best-case scenario is, is that when they're having a bloody a family day, you're invited and you go back there, not 10 years later. Yeah. Well, look, I didn't realise that it would be the last time I saw um, yeah, 80% of my colleagues my mate yeah um, that was probably one of those surreal ones you just kind of expect that you'll one day you'll catch up but ultimately without that shared thing yep the, you know, life the goes handful, on yeah yeah the handful which i have kept in contact and sure i'm facebook friends with most guys um, and you know we touch base was in the area but at the same time there's a big chunk of people who were in my wife for a significant amount of time who i haven't seen for what 15 plus years yeah. it's a huge separation it's massive it you it's particularly when you're in a case you know you, you're onboarded if somewhere between six months of education training you know culture you know realignment to to fit the organization waiting on the dead grass waiting on the dead grass standing by getting yelled at get get on the piss don't get on the piss what the fuck am i doing don't get caught but don't have a crack caught. if you want <laughs> you know it can be six months up to four years in in some trades organizations you know across the military when you are in a combat environment or, or you know, overseas in any in any capacity and you come back and five months later you are fucking looking at that organization in the rearview mirror, that is a huge sense it can be a huge sense of loss. It can also be a huge sense of relief depending on the individual. Um, you know, but but a huge sense of loss that you lose your identity, you lose your culture, you lose your mates. You lose the thing you've known, your sense of purpose, all of those things. And this is what I just wanted to transition into now, Aaron, is where it started to get bumpy for you, mate, mm. after you after you sort of, you know, wave goodbye in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So, look, I got to Brizzy, started my PT business. I had pretty dead set way I was going to do it. This is what I was going to do. Um, and, you know, I did the things which I believed I needed to do in order to get that going. Um, I worked really, really hard. I did. I worked seven days a week. Now, when I say work seven days a week, doesn't ultimately mean I was getting paid. This, you know, you're working on the business. So <laughs> I know all about it. Yeah. As a business owner, it becomes who you are. Yeah. It becomes your yeah. life. And if you don't let it become your life, you will fail because you're not giving it enough attention. That's it. And I, but I also remember saying to myself, like, you know, I got to my house and I'd be sitting there. And I was like, okay, great. So I'm ex armed. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't throwing my veteran at that point. I, had, I, um, this wasn't a term which I was using. I was using ex army. Yeah. At what point can I? At what point do I have to stop saying I'm ex army? At what point? Because there must be like an expiry on when I could do this. Well, it'll be one year. One year from the day that I leave defence. That's the day I. Just, that's an arbitrary thing. I You're said. very black and white, aren't you, mate? Yeah. 
one day from this day, I will be a civilian and I can no longer say I'm ex-army and essentially that part of my life disappears. And then I pushed that back and went, okay, well, my actual separation date is the end of my leave. Cool. This is the day. So I had one year of essentially knowing who I was until the day came around when I was no longer in the army. And that was a confronting day because it was, oh, crap. I am just civilian I'm Aaron so now Aaron. everything that defines me is what I do if I'm not doing what I'm doing well then there's not a lot going to and so that went on um, I ended up uh, uh, about yeah so I met my uh, now wife um, I was working at a gym uh, as a PT so I moved away from soul trading just externally and I was working at the gym um, and I put my hat, hat in the ring to start studying um, and uh, I was made an offer. I can go back to this in a bit more detail, but I was made an offer. Um, and I started managing a gym because it gave me some stability. So, full time income. Um, I knew when I needed to be where I needed to be. I had a very busy, I guess, life. Now, throughout this period, there were small red flags popping up. Um, but one of the big things which I was starting to realize at this point was things aren't black and white. Mm. years i'd managed to pull this off for years and one of the things i used to do was i would try to write this handbook of things i can and can't do what is my guiding philosophy behind everything essentially which would be black and white i didn't realize at that point in time but that's what i was trying to get struck as time went by and i was working in this gym uh, and i'd come and study got me into critical thinking reflective thinking and i'd be sitting there in my office walls i'd watch people walk in and walk out see i'm having an impact on their life i'm helping them get healthy helping them get fit um you know a year went by i was like man wow i'm just in this it's like a prison it's like four walls it's like a prison I'm trapped here and I'm, am i really having an impact i used to be in the army man i used to be in the army yeah i used to do this i used to do that i'm not that anymore i can't even say that anymore you know, I'd see and ex defense guys or I'd see defense, ex defense come through and I'd lavish a conversation with them. Hi, oh, hey, mate. Oh, yeah. You're in the army. Oh, mate. I used to be in the army and, you know, they'd love to. That's awesome experience. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's great, mate. Yeah, they'd say, oh, yeah. You know, oh, I've got a pack. Do you want to buy a pack? Yeah, I'll buy your pack. Yeah, got my pack. You got um, I remember saying to one guy, I'm like, here's my pack. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah. Friday, mate. You can go back to the uni. You can tell all these guys. You can tell all your mates that this this pack's seen more, seen more like it's been, mm. it's been in the army longer than you've been. <laughs> um, you, know, you just you just shortchanged me another hundred bucks. <laughs> but you know, it's about helping each other. Yeah, so of course, mate. So that went through. Um, but yes, then I started to find myself going down this political rabbit hole. You know, just looking for things. I was looking for definitive things. I was essentially trying to find out what are definitive ways that I can justify my life. My son was born 2017, and that was the catalyst uh, that really began. When I say the catalyst, it was the best thing that's happened to me, but also uh, it was the tipping point of that experience. Um, it shook my world because yep. they do that. I needed, yeah, I needed to develop systems leading up to it, which was highlighting how, uh, I guess, delicate everything was. Um, and then he was born, which really highlighted that now I am the protector and now I am uh, responsible for this life. And now the threats in the world are real. And it's not just me, it's me, my wife and my son. Yeah. Um, and that I actually play a significant role in who he will be in the future. And what if I mess that up? And so this kind of started this cascade of events where um, the black and white facade. Yeah, doesn't work and i realized that there were so many grades that i was struggling to place into these categories um that i was essentially trying to force them into these categories and they just don't fit um and they would create uh, incongruencies and i'd just be sitting there going but it's not like what's what was your coping mechanism that you started to develop mate because most of us you know, as as we all identified, you, you're in you, that that level of stoicism, whether it's toxic or not, just obviously stoicism has its place. But over the long term, you know, as a solely stoic approach to life can can result in some pretty unhealthy behaviours. What, what 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 did you develop unhealthy behaviours? And if so, what were they? Or what were the healthy de- health behaviours you developed? 
Um, look, I'd say that so fitness fitness became fitness was my defining that was my defining point outside of defense was defense set me up um, gave me the skills it made me appreciate health and fitness um, and I always proud quite I was proud of that fact and so post service I tried to be really fit really healthy I tried to be really successful I tried to apply those uh, mindsets and skills uh, my back went shortly after I got out and so I would have flare-ups over time and they were when those would happen that was always a they were the toughest parts mm. because when that happens yep. then I would lose this one thing essentially defining the outside of the chain as a, as a result of service um, and the stoic mentality was putting aside these ideas of um, you know, I should talk to someone you know so intermittent points where I reached out yeah, I reached out to Catholic services and I did go in once. And it's kind of, no, it's kind of, uh, I can't say I was, wasn't turned away. I was just, was probably just underwhelmed, like, you know, well, yeah, someone, someone's, a, you know, essentially, oh yeah, no, it's probably, probably just this, don't worry about it. Um, when in retrospect, that probably would have been the best time to intervene because, you know, prehab's better than rehab. That. Yeah, mm. two years yep. after that. That's a fucking crack insane. Yep. <laughs> yep. Two, year, two years after that, I was in a um, psychiatric hospital for a short stay. Um, yep. So, you know, my son was born, you know, about six months from that point, and I was studying um, full-time at that stage, working uh, casually. Um, I'd set up um, that I could essentially push my degree out in half if I did it this way, uh, but it meant we had to be really fine with our budgets. You know, things were down to the dollar yeah um, and then uh, you know it was trying to get uh, once things went started to go off the rails you know one day i just and yeah there were a couple of red flags one day i just woke up and i just couldn't i just tears <laughs> right. i just could not uh, and i thought that was rock bottom um but essentially you know making the phone call going and talking to someone um you know the subsequent two days i fell from cliff to cliff um, to eventually, you know, I was I was literally at the bottom. I felt like I was getting dragged along yep. the ground. Because I can relate to that, up, mate. And there, there, there. Aaron, I know mm. I, I can relate to that very, very strongly, mate. And I know that, um, you know, after after I shared my story on here, I, I got a lot of people reaching out from all walks of life, whether that be from high school, you know, through to, through to you know, serving members and, and peers that I have now reaching out and just thanking me for, for sharing that, sharing how I went through that, that experience, mate. Where did that take you from there? So rock bottom, you know, a lot of veterans, unfortunately, will hit that space, but it's not the fucking end state. It's not where we end up. Where this is the new, new start point. The new start point, exactly. On the way up. Yep. There's only one way to go from there, and it's fucking up. Let's let's jump in, spend the last five to ten minutes, mate, on rolling. Wh- what got you out of that? It, you know, obviously it's still bumpy along the way, but where are you now? Because you're in a really good spot now. Yes. So, like, take us yeah. on that. Ascend us. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'll, I'll try and fly through it. So, yeah, essentially that happened. Short stint to hospital. Got some diagnosis, which meant I could start treatment. Yep. Um, got out of the hospital. Took a semester off study. Um, went back to study, um, you know, things were starting to go upwards. It was an uphill battle. There was a lot of things that were happening. You know, it changed the dynamics of my relationship. It changed who I was as a person fundamentally because, you know, it was really hard to kind of get around these things. Taking different medications, put on, I think, 40 kilos. Yep. Um, wow. Yeah, yep. Fitness was not, well, was not the epitome of fitness. Um, got to the end of 2019, I was finished with a degree. Uh, mid beginning of 2019 things were looking pretty good uh, middle of 2019 I had a very very unique uh, placement opportunity and uh, I think you'll appreciate this so uh, one of the placement opportunities through my undergraduate Bachelor of Exercise Sports Science um, was to go to Timor Leste um, and we went out to Bacau we went around all to, the, to all the schools in the nice. province um, we delivered health and education packages to the schools to teach the teachers how they can incorporate PT into their daily classes. Nice. Um, now, that was, you know, we did that for 10 days, that went a couple of hundred schools. That was probably the most significant experience since deploying, my son being born, and then that, and it gave me closure to a lot of things. You know, it didn't fix everything, but it gave me a lot of closure because essentially the big thing from the trip was we were 
OGA, we were the uh, protective force, security forces for these yep. uni graduates at the tape around DAO. Our life was ultimately more respectable than theirs. Um, we got paid less, they got paid more. You know, there were a lot of things which I was struggling with, and I struggled with that for a long period of time. Go to Timor, we were the uni graduates. We weren't graduates, but we were essentially that. But we were in a situation where we didn't need the protective forces. And I could see how they could have got so tunnel vision and not cared about what was happening around them uh, and how they could be so invested in what it is they're doing because ultimately they were doing a job. We were allowing them to do that. Uh, mm. We were doing a job. We didn't need those support structures. So I came back and you know I realized I can find meaning and purpose in other ways. Um, this is the one thing I realized in the gym, I was lacking meaning and purpose. I wasn't working to an ultimate cause. Um, Love that man. Defense with a small, I was a small cog in a big machine. Uh, no matter what I did, how menial, I was always working towards this larger purpose, which I may not know it, but I was. Now um, I could see you know, I could help kids, I could get them, to, um, you know, I could help them have fulfilling lives. Um, you know, I wanted to get into research. So I got back, uh, volunteered, became a scout leader, um, started working with the um, Kicking Girls Together, which was my good soccer team. Um, a tournament that ran on the campus um, and then that led into well, I graduated and then I secured the role uh, with veterans programs at ACU so I was the veteran support officer they were kicking off I was taking over from my predecessor who's Michael Adams who part of a DBA funded grant looked at the need for uh, was there a need for support for veterans in higher ed so what would it look like so they mm. set up the infrastructure in 2020 I came on as a student veteran support officer I was doing my um, master of clinical exercise physiology to try and get into research. Um, as I went through with that, um, COVID hit. So it did actually support me because I could work from home on the veteran programs, developing different things like our veteran transition program, get the infrastructure going, support students, whilst also studying uh, online because I didn't have to worry about commutes between things and then go in and do my makeup sessions that we needed to do the end of that year um, was very fortunate to secure a full-time position as a student veteran support coordinator um, and at that stage I realized I'm not going to be able to do my placements which were 400 hours the following year because now I have a full-time job yep. so I deferred um, for uh, that year and as the year went through I realized again well actually I'm not going to be working in that area now I have secured a job at the university in the professional stream, which I did uh, was a possibility. So I was like, great. Um, well, I may as well do postgraduate in an area that's going to support me in my role. Um, and that's when I started my Master of Business Administration. So I started that, I withdrew from the grad, uh, Master of Clinical Exercise Physiology. Uh, I got uh, an exit point. So I got a graduate certificate in clinical exercise rehabilitation. Um, and essentially, from that point on, I went through doing the master, um, working in the veterans program. Uh, yeah, working in the veterans program, uh, becoming a student veterans services manager. Um, and now we've got a whole team. So we've got a staff member up here in Brisbane, staff member down in Victoria, and a staff member in council at our leadership centre. And then we've got several student veterans who are current students who work in a casual role as peer facilitators. So they facilitate engagement amongst their peers. Um, and I finished the Master of Business Admin at the end of last year. So Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> I just love it that there's now a pathway yep, and uh, it's supported and well known about that. I joined as a young digger. I finished year 12, straight into the army. I never thought about going to university. And I'm like, oh, I'm not fucking smart enough to be able to do that. Or I'm, you know, so, you know, you know, I, I read in your little bio before that um, it's it's a perception out there that most veterans are unable to get in the university. And I just love that there is now a formalised program of which you're the manager of to facilitate that. Yeah, like we're definitely going to put the link to you and all of your stuff there underneath the sort of podcast description. And it would make me feel bloody amazing that if someone who's listening to this podcast right now and Aaron got to know you really well, like I'm going to reach out to that dude because I feel like I need some higher education or want to further my education, um, you know, now, now that I'm a veteran. Like, it's a really great space to be in. It is. Just quickly, mate, well, we will throw the link in, but what's the best way for people to be able to reach out and contact you guys directly? Look, the best way to reach us directly would be um, by jumping on the website, so ACU.edu.au. Um, 
put a forward slash on that, type in veterans, and it will take you straight to the veterans page Great. Um, to engage with us. Um, you can also send an email to studentveteranservices at acu.edu.a. Um, and that will take you to my team. Um, they'll be able to assist with any inquiries. Um, but I guess that the big thing I would say in relation to that is, like you've just said, I didn't do year 12. That's probably the big one. Yep. I didn't do year 12. Um, I joined the Defence Force with the idea that university was never on the cards for me. Did a posting in Townsville where the consensus was university students and uh, serving members don't get along. Uh, if anything, <laughs> well, they do. <laughs> a small was, segment of each. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was reinforced by my chain uh, that, you know, you are here because you didn't go to uni. And then when I got out. Oh, that's interesting. Fuck. Yeah, Is sorry, that that yeah. same cock? Yeah. Is that the same? <laughs> no, you're, you're here because you didn't go to university mate. and you need to give me your word about yeah. something. Yeah, mate, mate, no. I went to uni and I'm still a thug. So, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, anyone could like, Ultimately, yeah. um, I would say that I am a person um, and, you know, I've had good things happen to me. But, ultimately, there is nothing significant and special about me um, and that if I can do it, I would say a lot of people can. Most people can. Um University is just a very unique way to get meaningful employment, um, have purpose, um, and really to get that idea out of your head that you can't. Or yep. my brain. But the, the one I've heard the most is my brain doesn't work that way. Look, it just it does not work that way. If you keep telling yourself that, it won't. It won't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, I reckon you're a special person, mate. I think the journey you've been on, your ability to be able to share your story and what you're doing now, like look how wonderfully presented and like yeah, you know, the dress and bearing of the man now is like impeccable. Yeah. So the fact you've been on your journey, mate, and I hope, you know, everyone got some, something out of that. So uh, Aaron Cormer, we'll wrap it up there, brother. Thanks so much for sharing your story on Axons Unleashed. Leaky, I think, I feel like you took the lead on that one a fair bit because there's just some elements there to the yeah. story that yeah. I only have connection through Team War with you. Yeah. The, the, oh, man, I feel like there's a, there's a level of connection there, particularly you know with you moving in, moving going through those dark places that you had to overcome. I you know most of you out there will have probably heard my my podcast um, some number sixty two or something like that, where I, I went through something similar, mate. So can I say you know from somebody who's walked that path and and walks that path every day, man, you should be fucking proud of yourself mm. to be on the other side of that, whatever that looks like for whoever's listening, whatever the other side looks like for you you know, getting to that other side and not just throwing your hand up as a victim but saying, I need to have a sense of purpose and I need, I've got an opportunity to be able to help other people and Aaron, you're doing that, mate. So, mm. well done. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Right, mate. Well done, Luke. Thanks very much. Have a great day, everyone. Cheers, See you later. <laughs>